as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Hey everyone, Happy New Year from the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson with Big Shiny Robot as well. And you know what? Uh, 2016 is dead and gone. And uh, as much yep. as there was a lot of bad things with it, uh, we're actually going to here to start off on a positive note and talk about some of the best things of 2016 uh, with our top 10 movies. And it's interesting because we were just comparing notes. And while you and I have similar movies in our top 10, our top five are just completely different, which I think is yeah. really fun and should make for some good discussion. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and just kind of list off our uh, 10 through 6, and then we'll kind of dive in on 5, counting down to 1, and go into more detail about why we like them so much. But Andy, why don't you give us your uh, your, your bottom 5, well, of the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> so starting starting at number 10, I have a tie, and, and I know that's a cheat, but these two films worked together for me because they both came right at the end of the year, and... While I loved them and appreciated them dearly, for some reason, I think it's I'm I'm either depressed or something. They just didn't quite make it to the top of the year, and that's uh, La La Land and Rogue One. And we'll mm-hmm. talk more about both of those in in more depth uh, soon. So that's not a slight. I really like these movies. I just think that there are nine better ones. Number nine, The Nice Guys. Number eight, Midnight Special. Number seven, Hell or High Water. Number six, Sing Street. So, yeah, so that's kind of cool yep. because there's a very wide variety of movies, too. It's not like, oh, it was all yep. animation, it was all this. Uh, and for nope. those who, like Andy was saying, number 10 isn't a slight because Andy's very much the overachiever more than I am. Uh, he did a top 30 this year, so <laughs> these were the I ones that, that cracked that level. So um, Yeah, if you want to read my entire top, top 30, bottom 10... It's up on Big Shiny Robot. I'll put a link in the in the notes with the episode here, um, and we'll also talk about our our worst next week. But yeah, we uh, figured we, we want to yeah. start twenty seventeen out on a positive note, so please, <laughs> that's why we went with. Please, let's have a positive note. Yes. yes so uh, your your ten through six, Adam. So my ten through six, uh, a little bit similar with yours. Um, number ten, Midnight Special. Um, as I've been saying, pretty much since this movie came out, uh, this has been a great year for sci fi. Yeah, and we we've got to see things and um, you know experience things that are we've never seen before. And Midnight Special definitely kind of touched on a lot of those similar ideas that we've seen in classic sci-fi, but brought to a newer audience and just done extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, Green Room. I think that's one of the best horror movies in the last couple years, and I think I'm glad that yeah. people are finally kind of seeing what it's about. Uh, number eight, Kubo and the Two Strings. This is one of the most fantastic animated films I've ever seen. Uh, number seven. Uh, Captain America Civil War, and we'll go talk about that later. Uh, and number six, Moana, because it's Disney at their best, and I can't get that soundtrack out of my head. <laughs> yep. That's so funny, uh, because all three of those that you just mentioned are are my top three, four. So, And you actually already mentioned two that are my top five. So. <laughs> yep. So, but, so we'll... Let's get into that. One movie that we completely agree on, though, yes. is both in our top fives is my number five, and that's Arrival. I was just blown away by this movie, and I I think it also helped that it came out the same week as the election, and so the message seemed even more poignant about 
the importance of learning to communicate with other people and what happens when we cease communicating with one another. Uh, and and the director, Denis Villeneuve, um, uh, you saw that new trailer for Blade Runner 2049 sequel oh, that's coming yeah. out, right? And, oh, yeah. yeah, and the moment I saw Arrival, I was, I was like, I'm totally, perfectly happy with his directing that movie because he knows how to do sci-fi. Yeah, I was I was really worried. I'm like, I don't think we need a Blade Runner sequel. And I said, well, Denis Villeneuve's doing the guy who did Prisoners. That's an interesting thing. Oh yeah, he's got this other movie about an alien invasion coming out. Okay, and <laughs> and yeah, and ever ever since I've seen this, I'm like, bring on the Blade Runner sequel. I am I'm down with it. And that and that snippet we've seen makes me uh, very hopeful. Uh, that that we will get something really cool out of this, but but this movie, even even regardless of that, just stands on its own as as a huge achievement in my mind. It was both visually stunning and poignant, and and one of the things that Villeneuve really does well is pacing. The guy knows how to build tension and build character as he's doing it. And he did that both in Arrival and with Prisoners. And uh, I I just can't wait to see what he's going to bring us next. He's one of those guys like uh, like Cuaron and like Del Toro where I, I'm basically on board with anything that they're going to do from here on out. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I think it's they've built up a track record of doing interesting projects and doing them extremely well. Yeah, no, and you, and you you pretty much summed up all my thoughts on it. It was it was amazing to come away from this movie, especially when it took when it came out and kind of the situation surrounding it. And I've gone back and watched it after the election, you know, uh, and I just love the sense of hope that came out of it. Yeah, and like you mentioned before, the the importance of uh, communication and also the consequences of what happened when we stopped talking to each other. And I think we can, especially with how divided a lot of America is right now. I think a lot of us need to step back and remember the fact that we do need to talk to people, even if there are maybe there are enemies, maybe they're not people we fully agree with. But the fact that by staying silent and climbing up and and not reaching out is what's going to cause more of a divide, and we'll never get where we need to go, uh, and humankind will never get to the level of evolution we need to aspire to if we're not willing to to be open, honest with each other. And actually reach out and create those those connections. So one of the things I most respect this movie about is in a lot of movies, especially with alien movies, they're always playing a gimmick with you. They're like, Oh, we can't let you see the alien. That yeah. we can't let you see the whole thing. Oh no, no, no. This shows up early and it it isn't mystical at all. It's there. You're not straining to see it. Because that's not the point of this movie. No. What the alien looks like, and even though there's cool visuals going on, that, that's got nothing to do with what this movie's actually about. So it's not playing a Cloverfield. It's it's not playing a... Um, signs. <laughs> signs, yeah. Uh, it's not playing a Contact, where they go the whole movie and you don't even get to see the alien. It just ends up being Jodie Foster's dad. <laughs> <laughs> because oh. of course it is. <laughs> because of course, uh, you can't comprehend my format, and it's a lot easier to just pay this actor to, you know, be the alien. So that's, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> it basically means we ran out of money. 
we didn't have a good idea for what the alien should look like, so it's just her dad. There you go. But but this doesn't do that. I mean, even though the aliens, I mean, essentially, they look like the Squid Billies from Cartoon Network. <laughs> but uh, but that, but that's not what the movie's about. It's um you know. It's not about what the aliens look like. It's it's not even about why the aliens are there. It's it's that classic sci-fi trope of the what we do with the alien invasion says more about us as humanity than it does about anything else. Yeah, and, it, it's and a much more as much as you know. It's about these these giant <clears throat> elliptical spaceships that come to Earth and meeting the aliens and trying to talk to them. Uh, this is very much a, it's a human movie. And like like you said, it's the old trope of what do we do in the face of this kind of crazy adversity, and the point is, yeah, I I can't say more because it kind of gives away stuff. But one of the best films of the year. This is actually my number two, so I had it a little bit higher up. But if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check it out. I know I'm sure it's coming out on DVD, Blu-ray soon because it's been out in theaters for a while. But uh, if if you did not see this, go out and see it immediately because there is a twist towards the end and kind of figuring out why the aliens are there and what's going on. But the really great thing about this is that once you kind of understand everything that's happened, going back and watching it again, you experience the movie in a completely different light. <clears throat> because you're not, I mean, half the fun is trying to figure out where things are going and what's happening. But when you already know that, you're picking up on things you didn't notice the first time. And there's very few movies you can watch over and over again. And you can see, see it from different viewpoints, different perspectives, and kind of where it's going. Um, and I think the movie also brings up a very good choice of, of a very good point of free will and choice. I mean, if you're presented with, if you know something's going to happen, would you make that same decision over again? Yes or no? Would you face the consequences? And would you also reap the benefits of what's happening? So, yeah, it's it's just a beautiful human movie, and and I I can't say enough good things about it. And it's just funny that. Even though it's it's my number five, uh, there were still four movies that I like just the tiniest little bit more. And it's not to say that Arrival isn't an amazing film at all. It's it's just this was a really good year for movies, and and I loved uh, you know my top four just just the tiniest bit more. <laughs> Adam, so, what uh, was what was your number five? My number five actually is was the same as your number ten. It's uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, this was. This was the movie that I think you know. We always say the Force Awakens had the had all the pressure to relaunch and rebuild the Star Wars franchise, but this was the first one that's ever taken. I mean, except for the Ewok movies, but we don't count those. This was the first one that told a Star Wars story that didn't center on the Skywalker saga, which we've had you know seven movies now, where everything they've done, either themselves or their actions, have been at the center and focal point of everything going on. Pretty much in the galaxy. So I mean, this this family screwed over the galaxy multiple times. I mean, <laughs> as much as we love them, they're they're they don't have a good track record. So this was the one that had to set everything up and show we could tell a story and we could get people interested uh, in a movie with no Jedi, uh, with no Force. Uh, well, a little bit of Force. I I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. A little bit of the Force, but a little bit of the Force. And yeah. towards the end, there's a we we all know Vader's in it for for a cameo. Uh, yeah, but there's no like Yoda or lightsaber battles of Luke Skywalker. No. Everything we kind of known come to love and know and expect from a Star Wars film. I mean, this was very much uh put the war in Star Wars. It was a straight up yep. war movie that happened to take place in this universe and you know, the way that Gareth Edwards set it up and directed it and 
yes, there were reshoots and they had to add things to make it more Star Warsy, but this will forever change the way I will ever view New Hope ever again. It sets up everything about the Death Star, why it has a weakness, uh, why Vader's so pissed at the beginning of New New Hope. It just tied so many things in. Uh, there are some great cameos, some digital reproductions of characters who aren't with us anymore. Uh, it just it hit every single note for me, and it's kind of funny, like you said before, that you you know you loved Rivals so much, but there's four that are even better. I love this so much; it's almost hard for me to think that there were four that are better. Um, but again, just by the tiniest bit, they are. But this, for me, almost. I'd put it up there with Empire Strikes Back as one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time. I, I think I'm having a personal problem that, like, my my heart is getting cold and shriveling up. That it, I just, I, I don't know what's wrong with me that I'm not having, like, the sheer joy at this movie that, that everyone else is. It is an amazing movie. I mean, I've seen it six times. I don't go see a lot more than I have. I don't go see a movie six times that I don't like and and that I hate. Um, and and one thing that that I have noticed though is I've seen this in every format that that I can go see it, which is everything except for the the laser 4K, which they had um, here and I missed. Yeah, I so I've not seen it in the laser 4K, but IMAX 3D, and I've seen it in the Dolby Atmos uh, 2D presentation i gotta say i'm liking the dolby atmos i noticed a lot more detail like in the the opening scene when they're on the the ursos farm i could see individual water droplets on uh orson krennic's hat i mean that's like how crisp that screen was yeah so um and and the 3d didn't do a whole lot for me um it 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 was great, but it it didn't really enhance my viewing experience that much. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a great movie and and great characters that they added into the Star Wars universe. I think there's something wrong with me, and I think I need to go see a doctor for why this is, this and La La Land are are in my uh, are at my number ten spot and not in my top five. I, I almost count that as a personal <laughs> failing at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, well, it's, I can see that it is, you know, this time of year also is stressful for, for everyone just with the holidays around and um, with what you do also, you've been very stressful since the election. So yeah, <laughs> it could just be yeah. all that kind of combining and, you know, maybe once things hopefully calm down in the next couple of months, although I think you'll probably be a bit, a bit busier than I am. Um, yeah. You know, maybe that'll, those, the negative feelings will wash away just because, the environment will change so i certainly hope so uh i think if 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 things felt better and more hopeful i think i'd be able to enjoy those more but a movie that i was able to still completely enjoy that came out after the election in fact the only movie that's come out since then that i've felt like a huge amount of joy at was moana and that's my number yes. four this was an amazing year for animated films. Uh, Zootopia just barely didn't make it in my top ten. Just barely by a hair's breadth. And Moana is one of the most amazing animated films I've ever seen. Uh, it's one of the best movies Disney's ever produced. The animation is gorgeous. Bringing the ocean to life as its own character was a brilliant move and and an incredible 
feat of digital trickery. Uh, it, it just from a technical aspect, it was so amazing that they were able to do that. And then on top of that, you have the score and uh, the uh, and and the music co-written by Lin Manuel Miranda, who is been having an amazing year or two <laughs> and uh like that soundtrack is amazing you get jermaine clement pulling a full full-on david bowie oh yeah you get the, the rock singing the like cockiest song in uh in the disney pantheon ever probably and uh and then the song that will probably get the oscar which is how far i'll go um so we'll we'll see if Lin Manuel is able to you know finally get the Oscar in that uh, in that EGOT uh, or I guess for him uh, since he's also won the the MacArthur Genius Grant and the Pulitzer it's a Mac PGOT for him. Oh, is that be- what it's called? Because I know it's a PGOT, but I've, I've never heard <laughs> the Mac PGOT. <laughs> well, but if if he gets it, then he'll be the first person to have ever done that too. So that'll be uh, that'll be a feat, and and I'm hoping. That he's able he's able to pull that off uh, 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 although I don't know and you know my number six movie uh, Sing Street I I just love the soundtrack from that as well and then you have the music from La La Land I mean I can't stop singing City of Stars everywhere I go I mean I'm just like, <laughs> everywhere I go I'm just humming that it's a great song great music and I you know I don't I don't know if those two like kind of cancel each other out because they both get multiple Oscar nominations and maybe something weird squeaks by, but um, yeah, th- that's a that's an Oscar worthy song right there. Yeah, and it, it's really been fun because we expected with Disney Pixar to get these incredible animated films, and it's yeah. kind of been since I'd say you know a couple years ago when Frozen came out that Disney themselves with their animation studios have kind of had a renaissance and kind of going back to the you know the golden age of like well as far as when I was a kid was you know Lion King and Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Moana fits in perfectly with that it's it's hilarious like you've already talked about the songs are just absolutely fantastic we've been I've had them singing them nonstop since I even before I even saw the movie uh, you got Dwayne Johnson who is absolutely hilarious as Maui and it's not fair that he can be the sexiest man alive and sing and be funny um, I think he stole some of my jeans when I was you know in the womb or something like that I don't know that's all I'm gonna blame him for all that uh, <laughs> but, twins uh, the the reimagined twins starring Adam yeah. and Dwayne Johnson <laughs> Dwayne Johnson yeah. Uh, yeah no it just it's this movie clicks on every single level I've watched it a couple times and uh, it's one that I, I can I can see myself, you know, ten years from now, if it's on TV, just you know, flipping through channels, that I could stop and watch no matter where it is, what's going on. Um, we, we forgot you—you you have one of the best characters in the whole thing is Hey Hey the, the rooster who's played by oh. Alan Tudyk. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Two of his best roles this year. He wasn't even on on camera. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they they put so much love into it and so much thought, and it's a, uh, you know, you can kind of see where it's going. You like, you can kind of guess the ending. But again, the whole fact point of this is the journey, like you mentioned before, with Jermaine Clements with with his song and Dwayne Johnson with his song and everything else. But uh, again, it's it's I would have put it in my top five, but there were just so many out there that were just a tiny bit better that uh, I had to I had to. Yeah, it was definitely in my top ten, but just a little tiny bit below five. Yeah, my 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 list tended to be a bit more 
a bit more kid friendly. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just feeling in, well, you, in that way. You have way, kids too, but, so <laughs> yeah, helps. Um, my number four, interestingly enough, is one that I really probably don't want to watch very much, very much more, uh, many more times. Uh, it's Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, not uh, kid friendly. Yeah, not kid friendly. Don't don't take your kids to it. Um, and the reason why I say it, I don't know if I want to watch it many more times was. I absolutely love this film. It's one of the best acted, best directed, and best written movies I've seen in a long time. However, the uh, the subject matter is so dark and depressing, and um, you know, it's it, the movie's about Casey Affleck's character pretty much recovering from grief. Uh, and what's everyone's talking about the fact that oh, he's you know getting nominated for the Oscar and won all these awards. Yeah, there's a reason for that. It's because he throughout this movie is playing three characters. There's his character before the tragedy happens during the tragedy and then healing from it and he pulls them off so even though he's the same person in all three roles they're very very distinct and different and he plays them just to a perfect level that I've not seen um, gosh in in a long time Um, and again the whole cast is good Uh, Lucas Hedges as his nephew who is dealing with uh, death in the family as well he's absolutely fantastic Uh, Michelle Williams is in the movie for all five minutes and steals the show every single time she's on camera it's just absolutely wonderful, but again, I, I watch it twice now, and it's it's one that I absolutely love. I think it's fantastic, but it, I can't watch it again. Maybe in a couple months from now, but it's it's just so heavy and so dark that even though there is hope in the end, that journey getting there takes you through the <laughs> the valley of the shadow of death, and that's not a place I like to visit very often. Yeah, and I think what's so amazing about this film is how. Kenneth Lonergan, the writer-director, really takes death and shows us, I mean, not its lighter side, but dealing with grief can be sometimes funny uh, in in how mundane it is. Oh, yeah, there's, there's laugh-out-loud moments in this movie. It's not, I'm not saying that the movie itself is just... Like, if yeah. I want to think of a movie that was just so dark and dreary that at the end of it I just had to take a big deep breath because I was glad it was over, uh, with like Man of Steel, and yeah. I love the movie, but it was just there was no levity whatsoever. It just felt yeah. so dark and foreboding. This isn't like that at all. There, there are definitely moments of genuine humor, but it's it's an experience you don't want to relive over and over again. Oh, definitely not. I mean, this is by no means a funny movie, but what it feels to me like is how real it is you get people having panic attacks over the strangest things you have people acting in very normal ways to dealing with with grief and dealing with these issues and it's just so real and it's it's hard to watch uh, but it is it's not it's not refreshing at the end although that that's sort of the feeling that I come away with because it's like wow you know my my life isn't as bad as I think it is yeah uh, there there are definitely people out there dealing with real issues that that I am not and here's this beautiful representation of you know what what that actually looks like in all of its very various messy forms. And then again, it goes back to that it's so well written and so well acted that you know you, you sometimes feel like you're just it, it's not so much that you're even watching a movie. Sometimes it's almost more like this is a documentary about these people's lives. That's almost how real it feels at times. But um, yeah, you, you come away like you said, feeling you know 
that, hey, things could be worse. It's not like you go watch this movie and think, well, I'm better than these people. I can come away feeling like a better person. Yeah, no, you just you come away understanding that, like you said, things could be worse and maybe viewing your life through a different lens and realizing that, you know, hey, there are some bad things going on, but I'm in a pretty damn good. So maybe I should be a little more thankful for what I have. So. Yeah, exactly. It just makes you way more appreciative of, of life in general yeah. and makes you want to, you know, hug everyone around you and uh, realize that life is precious and uh, we should treat it as such. Yeah, and you, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, one one simple little mistake can change hundreds of people's lives. So, yeah. um, Andy, what's your number three? Well, speaking of death and uh, it, it causing tragedy in people's lives, uh, my number three is Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, which just barely beats out Moana and here's Moana had Lin-Manuel Miranda Kubo and the Two Strings had the Beatles and the, the <laughs> final version of uh, the final credits where they're playing uh, an Asian inspired while my guitar gently weeps like mm-hmm. was the cherry on top of this beautiful film and while Moana had this beautiful digital animation Leica Studios and their stop motion mastery just it's so much technically harder to do and harder to pull off and the things that they do with it i mean it it makes the nightmare before christmas look like a puppet show oh look at kindergartner's first project <laughs> yeah exactly they've they've moved this into such an art form and I, I just have to marvel at the, the technical expertise that went into building this and how flawless it is pulled off. Like, even just a couple of years ago, uh, they came out with Paranorman, which I thought was a great movie, very well done. But I looked at it, and I'm like, some of that is maybe a little bit janky, and it, yeah. it doesn't quite work. This is flawless and you know they have these giant epic scenes with these two and a half story tall uh animatronic puppets um well that's probably not the right word for what they are but you know giant stop motion uh things to to do these epic battles it's breathtaking Mm -hmm. and uh the so not only is the filmmaking incredibly brilliant, but the story is beautiful, the script is crisp, the acting is wonderful, uh, there are lighthearted moments, uh, and at the end, this is a movie about family, and it's a movie about stories and storytelling, and choosing what your story is going to be, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, I, I, it just, it stuck with me and, and spoke to me in a way that few other films did. And so Kubo, uh, I mean, even though it's just the literal hair's breadth above Moana and, and if you've seen Kubo, you know why I'm using that term. This, it, it just, it gets it. Uh, it gets it there for me, and it's why I think it's it's the best of the animated films this year, 
and it's why it's at my number three for the entire year. Yeah, you like it took stop motion animation and you just brought it to a new level. There's if if you were to watch that movie and then tell, if I was to be like, oh hey, this is a you know computer animated movie like Moana's, you believe me in a heartbeat. You wouldn't stop and think, well no, it looks like you mentioned, Nick. You know, there's no, it's not janky. If if it flows, it it oh, it, it it's a beautiful, gorgeous film. Uh, it's like I said, story about family, uh, just an accomplishment in animation in general. And yeah, like you, I can't say anything more about it. You <laughs> you wrapped it all up really really well. But no, it's it's an absolutely wonderful film. If you haven't seen it, just go out and buy it. Um, I actually bought it in 3D, which I, I rarely buy 3D movies. This is one where the 3D is kind of fun. Uh, we mentioned earlier with Rogue One, there's really no reason to see it in that format. But this one, if you've got a 3D TV, spend the extra five bucks and pick it up because uh, some of the things they do with the origami uh, and with Kubo and everything else, like some of the fight scenes and when they're on the, on the waves and they're fighting the, the, the twin sisters. And, oh, there's just so much good stuff here. So, it's, again, really it's cool. probably a little bit too intense for young, really young viewers. But this is one you can let your your kids watch, and you know you'll have just as much fun and enjoy it with them. Um, and it's not going to get stuck in your head like "Let It Go" from Frozen. And and the the most amazing thing that you know people can get caught up on like a political agenda in uh, mm-hmm. Frozen, um, which I I happen to kind of like that political agenda, so nothing against it. <laughs> but you know this is a movie that is completely agendaless. Uh, you know, it, it is just a beautiful story about family and writing your own story and uh, creating art and art for art's sake, which uh, we will talk a little bit more about when we get to your number one movie, Adam. Yes. Uh, but speaking of movies that are about family, uh, my number three is the Sundance film Other People. Uh, it just came out uh, in Video On Demand. And I think maybe Blu-ray. I've only seen the on and Netflix. I guess uh, you can watch it now. So this yes, was the uh, yes. Uh, so this was premiered at Sundance. Uh, it was written and directed by Chris Kelly, who uh, everyone knows from the SNL Thanksgiving Miracle skit with Adele. Just go Google it. Everyone saw it. Everyone loves it. Um, just about the story about a, a, a son coming home to spend his mom's last year of life with her uh, while she dies of cancer, unfortunately. And it, it starts out with you know showing her death, so it's not a surprise. Uh, but Molly Shannon plays his mom and just gives the best performance she's ever done and it's this movie's w- wonderful because it's very again it's very very funny like much like Manchester by the Sea and at the same time absolutely heartbreaking because you're watching this family argue and fight and uh, they come back together again and then you know while this lovely wonderful woman is passing away uh, again not one I want to watch over and over again but considering this is uh, Chris Kelly's first time out there directing a movie it's absolutely fantastic it was the best thing i saw at sundance and easily stands as one of my best of the year man with with your number three and number four you'd almost feel like 2016 had a lot of death in it or something you'd think wouldn't you (laughs) yeah i don't know what's what's going on with that seems like a, a a very perfect movie for uh you know the commentary on the year completely opposite of that for me is the movie that ever since it came out has been my high water mark and I have asked myself every movie I've seen was it better than Hail Caesar and there was only (laughs) one time where I could unabashedly say yes it was better than Hail Caesar 
and we'll and we'll get to that in a minute. It, I think that Hail Caesar is not only one of the best movies of the year. I think it's one of the best Coen Brothers movies, and that's saying quite a bit. Um, it's so interesting because this movie works on a bunch of different layers, and I think ninety percent of the people who I've talked to who have seen this get it at its surface level, which is, oh, this is a love letter to the cinema of yesteryear, mm-hmm. and it's funny, and it's full of a bunch of uh, Coen Brothers-type zany characters, and and it's great, and it's fun, and you have Channing Tatum singing and dancing about how there's no dames out at sea, and uh, a subplot about communism. It's It's just great. For me, what worked about this movie is its rich subtext and how this felt very satirical about, uh, yes, communism, about the Red Scare, but also what I felt the Coens were saying with kind of a wink and a nod about art and the creative process and maybe being undervalued in a system that values profit over anything else. And mm-hmm. so they they created this zany writer's room full of communist screenwriters who are trying to stick subversive messages into, uh, <laughs> into the movies, and, and they're completely inept about it. They're like, oh, but the alderman who stood up at the end and uh, and we, we think we got our message across, and like, that's not a communist message. That's a, you know, Brooke and I talked about this on our episode that you missed, Adam, where we, we talked about It's a Wonderful Life mm-hmm. and, and how the FBI uh, felt that there was communist messaging in it. Um, it, it it's so funny because it's like so, uh, yes, that, that could be seen as being communism, but it's not communism. It's just like, taking care of people it's just saying uh we you know people should stand up for each other who are who are downtrodden and and we should take care of one another that's not communism um and and so it it kind of wraps up a fun little bow on uh on mccarthyism which i really loved and and i thought both satirized the mccarthyists but also satirized like actual supposed communist subversives who think that like by sticking in a hidden meeting meaning in somewhere that they're getting their communist message across it's like no you're not (laughs) (laughs) those people all come off really silly and really inept um and and so it's it's hilarious and then the most deepest meaning that i took from this movie is this is a story about Eddie Mannix, who is supposed to fix all of these problems at the movie studios. Mm-hmm. And he's suffering this crisis of faith through the whole thing. Is my job valuable? Is my work valuable? And through this 24-hour period, he learns that yes, it is. And yes, what I'm doing is worthwhile. And not only is it worthwhile in the big sense of like, oh, well, we're making movies and that that gives people joy, but it's personally valuable to him. Mm -hmm. And 
and and again we'll talk about this when we get to your number one adam but the value of art in society and the value of film in society and following your dreams is something that can't be replaced and so hail caesar had all of that uh, to say to me and it gave us alden ironreich as as the singing cowboy who can't get his lessons or who can't get his lines <laughs> right when talking with ray fines which is one of the most hilarious scenes of any movie this year would, would that it were so simple <laughs> no, I, would I that it were that. so simple <laughs> would, would that, that it were no, trippingly tripping would that it were so simple trippingly don't, don't say it trippingly <laughs> i'm so excited to see him as han solo <laughs> oh, that's gonna be great so i just I love this movie for so, so, so many reasons, and um, I just can't stop gushing about it, and it it's something that I have gone back to over and over and over again this year when I needed a laugh and I needed to feel good, and that's the best thing I can ask for out of a movie, so that's why Hail Caesar is at my number two. Yeah, and actually, um, we're going to segue right into my number one, because my number two was Arrival, and we've already kind of went over that. Uh, yeah. But as much as Hail Caesar is that, yeah, on one level, like you mentioned, that love letter to making movies, um, La La Land, which is my number one, is the is the huge love letter and homage to all the classic 40s and 50s, big, old school style Hollywood musicals. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, th- this movie opens up, like we talked about before, uh, you know, they're in a traffic jam on the freeway in California. And everyone gets out of the car, and it's this big, huge dancing song number. And then they hop back in their car and get stuck in traffic again. Uh, it's you know we've got Emma Stone uh, as Mia, young aspiring actress working in a Starbucks on the Hollywood backlots of Warner Brothers. Ryan Gosling as uh, Sebastian, who's trying to be you know, kind of revive and make jazz music relevant again. And the two come and meet, and you know it's, it's a love story. Things happen. We won't spoil the ending for you. Uh, but it just, yeah, it, it's it's great because even though these characters are obviously really good-looking people and they have great chemistry and you know they're they're you know struggling actors and everything else, even when they're singing though, they're not Broadway caliber Broadway caliber singers. They're they're decent singers. They're they're good. They could probably go to karaoke with us and they would hold their own just fine. But there's an earnestness and a vulnerability that kind of shines through that you don't only really get in. Uh, movie musicals and I love that about it and you mentioned before the, the feeling of hope and um, you know the how deep Arrival was for me this was like one of the first things I saw after you know everything kind of went to hell last month and made me feel hopeful again and put a smile on my face and you know had my, my toe tap and had this, you know, the songs running through my head um, even more so than Moana and so this is absolute perfection the cinematography is absolutely amazing I mean, the there's scenes where the focus on, a, on a, the character and then the way the lights dim out and go into a song and then come back on. I mean, this is just absolutely, utterly fantastic. If you love old Hollywood movies, especially the musicals, you've got to see this. It's it's one even your mom and dad and your grandma will like. So you can take everyone to see it. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, I, I talked before about a kind of agendaless movie. This is definitely agendaless. It is just you know, meant to be taken as pure joy and and a beautiful beautiful rumination on 
you know, the the value of people who put themselves out there artistically and and what that means and and again about about storytelling and and writing our own stories and putting ourselves in those stories and uh, reinventing old things and and making them new and modern and relevant again um, but also paying homage to where we've been uh, again I, I feel like it's a personal problem of mine that I didn't just like come out of this movie feeling absolutely elated I loved it I saw it it, it was beautiful maybe it was overhyped for me um I just, I didn't walk out of there feeling like I was on cloud nine. I walked out of there feeling like when I walked out of Manchester by the sea, I felt better about my life, even though I'd just been through a slog. Mm -hmm. I walked out of La La Land and I felt the same about my life. I'm like, oh, I, and this is not a spoiler for the ending, um, but it was my take on the ending. Uh-huh. It was like, huh, this is why we can't have nice things because people are bastards. <laughs> and like, but there's also a kind of beauty in seeing that even when people are awful, um, because we, you know, we're, we're terrible and we make mistakes that we can make it through and there's still a joy and happiness to be had even when things don't end up as your beautiful pat little storybook ending mm-hmm. so there is some hope in that and there there is some joy in that i just i didn't uh i didn't find it to be the same sort of crack that everyone else has been smoking on on this movie yeah, I think I, I think the one thing that helped out with with us at least was the first time I saw it was with someone who had already seen it multiple times at a different at a, a special screening in Hollywood, and mm-hmm. when you were seeing it with someone who's already experienced it, like you, and the the happiness they get and the joy they're getting from the movie kind of radiates off, especially if you're watching it in, in someone's home because you know we we get screeners, uh, and it's not like a dark theater where you're kind of by yourself. It's it, it feels like it's more of a movie that you'll. That needs to be it's an experience that needs to be shared with other people, like where you can see them and kind of interact. Um, I don't know. If, again, maybe just because in the theater when it's all dark, you're kind of by yourself, you don't get that experience. Unless like yeah. like a horror movie or something. But um, I think that definitely helped. And but no, it's it's I, I can't think of anything else that would be better than this movie. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, the, the nice thing is is that this movie shows that you can still have a happy ending, even if your happy ending takes you a different route than you expected. So, um, well, I can think of one thing that makes me happier than La La Land. Oh, what is it? And that is Captain America Civil War. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going there. <laughs> and that, that ends up my, my number one film of the year. And here is why. It, it's a silly comic book movie. But I, I talked about Kubo... And I talked about Moana and the technical expertise needed to pull off films of that caliber. I think about the all of the moving pieces that needed to go into this movie in terms of 
stunt coordination and uh, and and pulling off all of the effects in this movie. There are very few scenes in this movie where there isn't someone getting punched or something happening like that. It is a very action-packed movie. So there's there's that part. From the other side, this movie had a very heavy burden to carry, uh, and that they had to bring in a dozen characters, two of whom we have not been introduced to before mm-hmm. in the universe. Introduce them, give them their due, but also give the other ten characters their due as well and create a believable villain and raise the stakes and make us believe that this was actually a battle that caused friends to become enemies and go to war with one another and it did all of that and it made you laugh and it made you cry it it made you giggle with happiness in a couple of different parts. Remember that helicopter scene? Yeah. Remember that helicopter scene? Remember? I remember. <laughs> I remember that helicopter scene. My wife remembers that helicopter scene really well. Um, I heard I heard I put out some fires up in Canada when that screen showed. Pr- probably. <laughs> the, um, man, just every single person in this movie got their bit to do, and none of it felt extraneous. It didn't feel like oh, well, they didn't need to have Ant-Man show up in this movie. They didn't need to have Spider-Man show up in this movie. Every single person had their place, had their purpose, other than just being set decoration. And it was amazing. On top of all of that, the moral question that this movie asks, I think is the ultimate moral question for 2016 and possibly for 2017 that now we have to wrestle with. And that is when is it legitimate to fight against governmental authority when you feel that that governmental authority has become corrupted or is is antithetical to to a moral foundation. And I think this movie does that well. That speech uh, that Sharon Carter gives at Peggy's funeral, you plant yourself like a tree by the river of truth and you tell everyone, no, you move. Yep. That's, that's that. one of my favorite lines. That's actually my favorite speech in any comic ever. Um, yeah. And, well, Cap said it in the comic and she didn't do it here it yeah. was it worked perfectly that she said it not him because that was what set his foundation as far as where he was unwilling to go and that's yeah. what set his mind to eventually fight back against people he called brother um yeah. and you know I, some people have kind of derided this movie for having a villain problem uh in my opinion baron zemo has been the best marvel villain we've had in the mcu yet because he won you know yep. this movie doesn't want happy everyone everyone's pissed everyone hates each other or you know they're at least on the outs and you know this sets it up perfectly for the next one when thanos comes a calling because they're not going to be able to fight together like they did before they don't have that camaraderie anymore and uh yeah it's 
it was interesting because they were the Russo brothers directed this and they were asking them because people have kind of also derided Joss Whedon for Age of Ultron mm-hmm. and they're like uh, do you think it may-? I think a friend of ours was interviewing him and he's like do you think it makes it easier to direct these kind of movies when there's two of you involved and they're like absolutely because when you've got something this grand and this huge and like you said with these all these characters and everyone got their time to shine everyone had their moment and no one felt left out and no one felt like they were shoehorned in and I think for one person it just yeah it would become overwhelming and you kind of need the ability to have two people at the head working together to bring this vision to life but yeah it's I I haven't watched it recently and I really need to because there's just not a moment of that film that I I don't sit there and I just don't watch in awe because it's it's pitch perfect on every single level it's probably the most emotional film they've had and yeah yeah, like I I mentioned before it sets up the rest of the universe for the rest of you know phase three to finish up so I'm excited to see where they're gonna go um and I'm also worried. I understand why people are derisive of it. Oh, it's another comic book movie. And people were. Because those people like, are stupid. Well, people were starting <laughs> to feel like comic book <laughs> fatigue this year. And I'm just like, no, this is a legitimately good film with something important to say. If you can look past the tights and spandex and, and the uh, bristling. Or the pets, helicopter scene. And the helicopter scene, <laughs> then there there is a moral argument at the center of this film, and and even more than that, it, it put into focus something that I have been feeling since basically the the middle of this year or of last year. There's only one fight, Adam, and it's it's not between rich and poor. It's not between white and 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 black and it's between the gays and, and straights it's not between gays and straights it's not Crap. between christians and muslims and there's one fight and it's the fight between division or unity there yep. are people who there are people who are empowered by all of us squabbling with each other there are people who are intentionally going out and trying to sow chaos to create divisions among us so that we will be divided because if we ever actually united and work together then we could make things better for all of us so there's only one fight and and it's not about the environment and it's not about women's rights it's not about it's not about the 1% versus the 99% in economics there's one fight and it's all of us versus the people who are trying to divide us and that's it and so we shouldn't allow for these seeds of division to get sown among us because that's how they win that's how the barons of the world work and and they're just little people who was zemo before this he was just a dude with an idea and he went out and he did it and and he took the avengers down uh, and it wasn't that hard. It's not that hard to get people fighting at each other. Just post some, just post some shit on Facebook. Middle. <laughs> yeah, just go look on Facebook right now, and I guarantee you, within two minutes, you will find a post that pisses you off. Probably shared yeah. by your crazy Republican un- uncle, <laughs> yeah. or your crazy and, Democrat aunt if you're a Republican. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 it, and it's not even about like Republicans versus Democrats, liberals and conservatives. It it goes. It's kind of like lost. It's like uh, 
live together, die alone. We either unite and we work together so that we can all solve all of each other's problems and learn how to live with each other even though we're different or we're going to get divided up and and separated and uh, we're going to be divided and conquered um, by the people who have that's the way that they've had power for hundreds of years so we've either got to learn to live with one another and learn to unite against these things or uh, and, and sorry to hijack this with, with such an expressly political thing, but... <laughs> hey, but, that's, it's a political movie. And in the, in the but, long run, like you said, yeah. there's this is the lesson behind the spandex and the tights. And, yep. you know, people... Oh, I'm getting tired of comic book movies. Well, you're not tired of dramas. I mean, it's just it's another genre of film. And yep. unless you're a piece of crap like Suicide Squad, uh, you, you can tell a better story and you can have a lesson. You can have... A moral, because I mean, these are fables. These are modern day fables that we're, you know, looking at, and you should be able to derive meaning from. I mean, just because I can go out there and have a good time with a helicopter scene, um, yep. doesn't mean that I can't come away and, you know, maybe there's a kernel of truth I've uncovered that I can think about and let it plant in my heart and let it grow and maybe change my mind. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, hey, a, a, a Marvel superhero movie changed my political thought process or it changed my way I feel about people or how I love someone or how I forgive someone. That's a good thing. And that's what these kind of movies should be doing. And yeah. that's why I do, you know, do agree this is that civil war was one of the best movies of the year. I'm not tired of Westerns. Uh, we had a great Western in hell or high water. Oh yes. We had a, we had a mediocre Western in the magnificent seven. That was, and, still... and I'm sorry, but Jeff Bridges is a leading character and he's not supporting. So anyways, <laughs> that was that we had that argument at the USCA voting because oh. the Academy award doesn't want to recognize him as the, uh, as a lead character, and he is. But oh, yeah. He's, anyway, he's, <laughs> talk about genres that are like supposedly overplayed. There's and there's a good western. There's and there are mediocre westerns. There are great comic book movies like Captain America: Civil War, and there are less good comic book movies. So, uh, <coughs> so that's and, Sorry, <clears throat> I, I won't. I'm not going to cast aspersions on. On, on those just now. So, yeah, uh, that's, I will... that's for next week. We'll, we'll save it for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think most importantly of this whole thing is that your team cap uh, debate at Comic Con won. Uh, now, that is true. <laughs> and and I, I feel like that is even more prescient at this point because, uh, you know, uh, Sean Means said something really interesting where, where he's like, so you're just going to throw out democracy if Donald Trump wins? Then we should take away nuclear weapons from him. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should. Maybe we should think about that. Maybe we shouldn't have nuclear weapons that are, you know, the ability for one person to control all of them. Maybe we can just start small and take away his Twitter password, and we'll go from there. <laughs> I'd be less worried about the nuclear weapons if he weren't tweeting at people about how he was going to use them. <laughs> <clears throat> Hashtag funsies. Um, yeah. <laughs> so wait, there you go. There's our best of 2016. I know we we you know we went on for a bit longer than normal, but I think we kind of dove in and um, explained why they're year. important to us. Yeah. Hmm? been a good year for movies so it has boring. there's there's been a lot i mean i i can look back this year over last and say there's 
you know, with my reviews, I gave, I gave a lot more positive ones than negative, which is always kind of a nice thing because no one wants to sit yeah. through a bad movie. Nope. In fact, that's why we're here to make sure you don't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So next week we've only got a Monster Calls and possibly what was the other one? Underworld. Underworld. Yes. Sequel. Which, yeah. as of right now, I don't have a screening date for, so I think they're they're scared of that one, which is why it's coming yeah. out now. Uh, but we'll have that, and we'll also list off our five worst movies of the year. So that'll be kind of more fun to rant and rave and and throw out the worst ones out there. Which means I have to go watch two movies now that I don't want to because I got to be able to vote on them. So, oh, God. But um, yeah, so that'll be coming up next week, and then we're gonna end things a little bit differently here, just because uh, you know we we did lose Carrie Fisher, um, and I think yeah, that was and Debbie Reynolds and her mom the next day Debbie Reynolds, yeah. and that was as much as 2016 had a lot of unexpected deaths that was the one I think that kind of shook all of us or at least me um, more than I expected so out of order for Carrie Fisher I just want to say that she is one with the force and the force is with her we love you Princess Leia Shut up.